With all the complexities, obstacles, and frustrations facing medical providers today, you still have peers out there getting things done and moving medicine forward. Who are they, and how are they doing it? Welcome to Peer Spectrum, the show where we uncover the creative solutions, innovative tools, and advanced practices of our peers throughout the full spectrum of healthcare. Here are your hosts, Keith Menken and Colin Miller. Folks, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you back. Keith Mankin, Colin Miller here. We've got a great episode for you today. We're still in our inaugural podcast, the way we see it. We did one. We're on our second one. We're going to go through a few different focus areas that we want to dive deeply into in successive episodes. So we're going to spend maybe about 10 minutes on each topic. I'm going to ask Keith some questions here. We're going to have a little back and forth. And then hopefully we'll be able to get a little feedback from all of you out there and some questions, and we're going to have some great interviews coming up, too. We have some really fantastic people coming on the show. We're excited to, to share some of their wisdom with you, get some of the answers you're looking for out of them. Um, Keith, I think maybe a good place to start today, if you agree, is, is looking at your team, um, not only the team in your office, but the team in the OR, if you're a specialist, and the people around you, your network. Uh, we're going to talk about de- starting a team, how to create a great team, Keith, you want to start us out here? You've been <laughs> sure. in practice for many years now. Um, tell us a little bit about your team that you had recently. Yeah, the, the team is uh, is so important. It always goes back to um, you know the concept of the communication being everything that has to do everything that has your name on it. Um, the patients evaluate you not only by you yourself or by what you're wearing or what you look like or what you sound like, but what the people around you look like. So it's extraordinarily important that you know your team, you trust your team, and you communicate with your team. You want to be as honest as possible, and you want to incorporate them as much as possible into the mission. And we'll, we'll break that out a little bit. Um, I was um, lucky enough to always have the same model for team that I had despite whether I was at the academic practice in the hospital or the big private practice or in my solo practice. <clears throat> and uh, it obviously varies some between what your practice setting is. You have to, to go with the resources that you have. But it's very important that you have a person working directly with you, a medical assistant or some sort of assistant who really understands how you practice, understands uh, what your personality is, understands the message that you're trying to give the patients. Because nothing is so jarring, I think, for a patient than when they hear something from the doctor or the provider and then they come out of the room and they ask someone else and they, and they hear something completely different. And we, we hear that. I mean, that's, that's sort of a horror story, but I hear that uh, from time to time from other people's practices. They have a nurse who doesn't know, um, who hasn't worked with them, or they have uh, a physician's assistant who, who uh, isn't always on the same uh, team. And uh, the doctor will spend all this time uh, laying the, um, the basis of an understanding. And then uh, the patient will come out and um, and ask a question and they'll get a completely different answer. And then the patient is left. It's, it's like uh, an internal second opinion. The patient is left not knowing where they stand from one visit. And that's a patient probably will not come back to your clinic, I, I'm guessing. Well, it's got to be deeply unsettling, too. Well, let's just take a look at your office, okay? If you're going from, from patient to patient, <clears throat> what's the best way to make sure you're on the same page. Do you actually round with your nurses, with your staff members? Do you, 
do you kind of have a, a powwow maybe once in the morning to kind of hey, this is who we have coming in here this is these are our goals here to, to achieve yeah. i mean what, how do you maintain that because it can be hard when you're in the hustle bustle of right. running a practice people are going this way and that it, it sure can you want as much communication as you can. I mean, the ideal situation, which probably doesn't exist anymore because nobody has these resources, is to have an assistant who follows you into the room and actually spends every minute that you spend with the the patient. Um, My father, who was a a big chief uh, uh, academic uh, orthopedist, he had fellows and he had residents and he had nurse practitioners. So when he went to a room, there was a team in the room and he was clearly the leader, but then everybody in the team and the patient heard the message at once. And so there was a lot of distribution of knowledge that that probably doesn't work, particularly in a um, in a private practice setting. Uh, If you have the resources, more power to you. I I wish I could do that. Um, At the very least, you need to talk with your team uh, every day and several times a day if you can, just moments during the course of a clinic. So you need sort of a, a startup. You need to, to sit down with them and say, okay, this is what we're looking at today. Is there anybody on the schedule that you have concerns about? Is there anyone on the schedule that I should have concerns about? Because a lot of times the uh, medical assistant uh, will know uh, or remember facts um, about a specific patient's case more even than you will. Um, you'll remember the, the medical aspects. of the. They may remember more of the personal aspects. So um, you should have that, um, that uh, sign-in type thing, that, that uh, check-in, um, to a startup meeting, uh, basically, um, to, to get the thing started. And then anytime something comes up in the day, you should stop, say, okay, let's Let's take a minute. Let's regroup. Let's know what we just did here. Know that this was either a good thing or a bad thing and make sure that this is something that we can double back and take care of. Definitely. I was actually talking with a nurse just the other day and she was just, we were just having a conversation, but she was talking about a, um, a communication issue she was having with her supervisor. She wants to actually switch to a part-time status at the hospital and her supervisor only works part-time is rarely in the office, and there's rarely an opportunity for her to sit down one-to-one with that supervisor. She finally found the right moment, and she put this off for months because one person went on vacation, another person was resigning, and she just felt like there was never the right time to talk to her, but this was important to her. Wouldn't this be a good time, too, in the morning if your own staff members have things that they want to talk to you about? They need to take off next Wednesday for their kids, uh, you know, doctor appointment, whatever the case may be. Maybe they want to talk to you about something that's bothering them about, about work. Right. Having that opportunity to say, hey, is there anything else that's on your mind? Would any of you like to talk to me personally today before we get going? So everybody has got everything out of the way so they can fully focus on the day ahead. Yeah, there has to be a time when you when you're in full communication. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily best to do it right before the patients are walking in the door. Um, but if there is a way that you can do it on a daily basis, or at least leave the door open so that they know you're receptive to it, I think that's extraordinarily important. Um, I've seen too many colleagues and too many, and have heard from too many other providers who um, think that it's inefficient for them to <clears throat> to be hanging around in the clinic at all. So what they do is they will round up the hospital, or they'll go and do business stuff, or they'll sign charts, and then they'll come in only when the patients are already in the room, so that they can hit the ground running. 
but I don't think you really hit the ground running in that point. I think it's inefficient. I think that you actually end up having to explain more and having to double back and, and, um, and repeat requests much more because nobody has a chance to catch up with you. So it is important to take the time if possible. Um, I go back again to my father because in a lot of ways he was a real role model and every day he would have uh, breakfast with the resident staff. This was an academic setting and uh, he would sit down with us and the idea of the, resident, of the breakfast was to go over unknown cases and for him to grill us and it was sure. uh, both uh, terrifying and hysterically fun at the same time, although no one would admit it was hysterically fun at the time, but <laughs> we all loved it. But there were several occasions where there were serious issues. And um, he never, ever uh, said, oh, no, we can't talk about this now. We have to do this clinical stuff. If there was a clinical, a serious issue, I remember, uh, I can't remember what, but there was uh, something major happened in the world around us. And he said, you know, I don't feel like talking about this case today. Let's talk about what's going on. Are your kids okay? Are you okay? Is everything all right? I know he did that the day after the September 11th attack. I wasn't, I didn't happen to be um, working with him, with him at that time, but I know he stopped and took some time and, and took a deep breath with, with his residents. And that's, so important that you think of the of the people you're working with as human beings and you let them know that you think of them as human beings i couldn't agree more and that's you know the beginning of your relationship with a patient really starts with your staff i mean if Absolutely. you don't have a connection there uh, how are you yeah. going to have a connection with anybody else these are the people you work around yeah. every day yeah or uh, or worse yet you have a negative connection i mean you can get you can get so undermined by a staff i've i've seen that as well uh, fortunately, I've not um, experienced it myself, but um, I've had colleagues who uh, basically their staff was at war with them. They didn't even realize that. So um, the staff would tell the patients things that would undermine the, the physician's message, and the patients would go elsewhere. Um, and it's it, you can really be undone by a staff member uh, just as you can be made by a good staff member. Absolutely. And that starts at the front desk too, right? I mean, it does, a patient, yeah. When a patient calls into the office and the phone's not answered at all, it just keeps ringing. And a personal conversation's taking place between two staff members. <laughs> That's They're right. not greeting people when they come in. Right. I mean, that's where it all starts. And how – we're still, you know, we're still in the practice right now. We're, we're going to move to the hospital here in the moment. But in the practice – how, when you're a busy physician, when you've got so many things going on, how do you monitor these things? How do you check to see that your whole team is treating the patients like they should be, including yourself? Um, absolutely. Um, you know, part of it is is a trust issue. Part of it is the way you set things up. So you have to know uh, that people are working um, the way you'd like them to work and that they understand what you're expecting of them. And that comes with communication. It's the it's taking the time when you hire somebody to explain to them what the expectations are, to explain what the um uh, to explain what behavior you expect, explain how uh, you expect them to react to patients, to interact with patients. Um, to answer the phone, um, you know, all these things that we take for granted. The other thing is to make sure that every single person that is on your staff understands that they are part of a bigger 
whole, that they're not just people who are sitting at a desk answering phones, um, but they are people who are the gateway to healthcare. They're the gateway to something that is genuinely going to help people and get them to take pride in that, get the staff to take pride in their role for that. Um, and I think you'll find that they do that automatically. Um, you can find out by uh, surveys, although to be honest, I think that surveys are are a little bit of a mixed bag. We talked about that. People tend to answer according to what they think the doctor's going to say. It's that white coat fear that they they uh, see the doctor and they're afraid the doctor's going to take reprisals or, or or leave marbles in their stomach or something like that. I'm just kidding about that. Um <laughs> Uh, but uh, just well, there's, there's definitely a selective bias in surveys, right? You, Absolutely, there you is, have people yeah. who, um, if they're extremely angry, extremely happy, and they may respond. If they're just satisfied, that's just going to go in the junk pile with everything else. Pretty much, that yeah. Well, it'll be going to be ignored. And, yeah, and or even if they answer, it'll be bland. It won't be particularly helpful. But um, you know, the same with internet reviews. Um, you know, everyone says, oh, you know, you have to get online and read the internet reviews on a physician. And I think they're not very helpful because the only people who will do that are people who are completely ecstatic about the, the physician or people who hate the physician and, and have had a terrible response. And, and, and the internet being what it is, it's usually skewed towards the negative. Um, just because a, a doctor has bad reviews on the internet does not mean he's a bad doctor. It means that that, that he hasn't wasn't able to please everyone, and this person that that he displeased decided to take it out on him. So you always have to take any sort of review of a grain of salt. I think if you have the staff and you choose the staff in a way. You can, uh, in the proper way, you can trust their impressions of things. Um, I, I was very, very lucky uh, in my uh, solo practice in that I had a front desk person who was really good at reading patients. And uh, she would come back to me and she would say, you know, um, uh, uh, your patient, uh, Mrs. X, uh, is not happy with with how things went today and so did she say something she says no i could just tell from her body language or something or you know a lot of times thank goodness it was boy those people love you they are so happy with what you told them they, they just um they just danced out of here so you get the review you get the understanding by uh reading of the patient involved but you actually have to take the time to to Look at the patient. Look at the interaction. Listen to what how what the patient is saying and how they're saying. And a lot of um, physicians may not have the time, or to be honest, uh, maybe even the skills to do that. But you certainly should be able to find staff that do. Well, I, I know in the past one one other a provider I worked with. He I don't know what sparked this idea, but I think it was a great one, and it was it was pretty pretty illuminating for him. But he actually went back to the referring physicians. And at one time, he had one family doctor who was referring about 30% of his patient load to him. And 30% is, is a huge portion of his practice. Yes, yeah, I'll say. So it was worth it for him to actually go over to that office, talk to the staff there, and say, how are we doing? You know, when you guys call over here, when you fax over a referral, are we responsive? How are you treated by the staff? And, and, and he actually talked to that referring physician at that practice and said, hey, what kind of response are you getting back from your patients? I'll take the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. I just want to know how I'm doing. And what he found is that all these people, they had been going to this family physician for years, as many people do. They felt more comfortable talking to him about their orthopedic problems 
than, in fact, than they did talking to the orthopedist himself. And this doctor gave him some frank feedback. He said, you know, I've been referring to you patients for years, and, you know, we're friends, we golf together. Um, I, I, I will continue to refer my patients to you because I think you do a good job. But I, I got to tell you, some of them come back, and they're very frustrated about how long they have to wait. Sometimes it's three weeks before they can get an appointment. They're not, no one explains to them why. Um, there have been numerous times where we just we sent over a referral. There's no response. Nobody follows up. I don't know if it gets lost. I don't know if it gets ignored. But that's happened numerous times, and it just puts a lot of extra workload on my staff. And then, of course, when you talk to the, the girls at the front desk and the guy who answered the phone, same thing. Right. So here is a way he could, instead of having to rely on surveys, to rely on phone calls, to snoop around on his own employees, which, as we mentioned, a lot of that's ineffective and it's not really practical. He went back to the source. And these people, once they were comfortable and they felt like he really wanted to listen to their thoughts and opinions, they opened up to him. Right. He gave him well, a, yeah, so gave a huge, huge advantage there. And it was worth the time for him because that's 30% of his patient bookings coming right. through this one office. It's worth spending a little time over there once a month to see how you're doing. Yeah, and it's worth it even if it's only one uh, percent or or four percent or whatever. I mean, you have to you have to be respectful and you have to understand where your referrers are coming from. And the point you make about the primary people being um, uh, a part of uh, that the the patients are more comfortable talking or even complaining to the primary care people that's absolutely true. The um, I saw that in my pediatric practice that uh, the pediatricians <clears throat> are often. <clears throat> excuse me, considered one of the family. And so if there's a problem, they will go and tell um, tell people. And it's just important for you to elicit the the response um, uh, from, a, um, uh, from a referring physician. Now, where you have a problem, <clears throat> of course, if you, if you are a primary care physician, where do you get that from? Sure. Because uh, then you really are reliant on what the people, what the, the patients are saying. Uh, and you have to have someone, hopefully, in the system who, who can turn around, maybe your um, scheduling coordinator, um, who hears it every time and says, oh, really, you can't put me at this time because I always have to wait such a long time. And so the information is usually there. You just have to figure out how to tease it out and have enough savvy to understand what people are saying to you. Well, let's, t- let's take a different look here. So if you're a family physician, for example, it's becoming more and more unusual today to be a solo practitioner in any field, but probably even more so in family medicine. It's just right. it's very difficult, and, and the scale of resources works much more in your favor if you're part of a bigger group. But that comes with its own challenges and dealing with partners, dealing with office administrators in your practice who also carry a lot of power and influence in the practice how do you how do you deal with all these people say say for example you've got a partner that is not pulling their weight they're they're not as responsive to the patients they're they're not as maybe they're rude to patients maybe that maybe they're not showing up to meetings once a month and and being part of the team but whatever it is i mean how do you as a as a new doctor new provider coming into a practice if you see things that you don't agree with how do you deal with that initially, and how should you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, you have to deal with it. There's no question. 
And um, citizenship is uh, incredibly important. Uh, we see that uh, as we start talking about the hospital, we'll, we'll talk more about citizenship. And that's something the hospitals are really using to judge how people um, fit in. And they're using it for gr- credentialing, to be honest. It's something that we have to face. If you're um, a jerk, uh, for instance, in the OR, that's being noted. And next time you come up for credentialing, somebody is going to challenge you and say, well, you know, you bring in a lot of patients, but you're really a jerk. And people are having trouble working with you so you need to you need to be aware of that um obviously it's hard if you're a new person in the practice but it's you you have to be strong and i say this as one of the shyest most um uh people one of the people who try to avoid conflict under any circumstance uh so um you know do as i say not as i do necessarily but you have to remember what you're there for and you're there to take care of patients you're not there for your own glory you're not there for your name on the door you're not there for some um you know this is the the keith mankin institute of wonderful medicine you're there because on a given day you see x number of patients and you hopefully make them better if your partner is doing something that is getting in the way of your ability to do that then it is important for you to talk to that partner and say What's the buzz? Why are you doing this? Are you, do you mean to undermine me? Do you not realize what you're doing? Is this uh, out and out war? Do I, need to, you know, do I need to leave because we're incompatible? A lot of times, I think what you'll find, um, if it's a senior partner, they don't even realize they're doing anything. They're, they're not even thinking about your practice at all. And they're just doing something that's so ingrained and they say, oh, gee, I didn't even realize. I'm sorry. I, I, I won't do that. I mean, uh, I don't have to do that. I can make things more comfortable. Um, ultimately, uh, it's surprising, but the, it's not surprising. It's, it's surprising how often it actually works because doctors being what they are. But by and large, partnerships do work. And the reason is eventually people figure out that a partner is an important thing. That, uh, yeah, a partner is a potential competitor. A partner is going to take resources from you. A partner is going to maybe take cases from you. A partner may get in your way. But they're also providing um, reinforcement of your ideas. They're providing a sounding board for, for you to help, you know, to get, to get medical advice from. They're providing coverage for calls. They're providing coverage for, um, for a number of circumstances. Uh, one of the reasons people are in groups is because they want that partnership. And so even the very senior members are learning that there is an advantage to uh, this. And the best senior members, of course, have figured this out long ago, and that's why they want partners in the first place. Um, so I think, you know, I think you'll be surprised if you go to a partner, even if they're very senior and you're very junior, I think they'll be receptive to at least listen to what you say. And um, if they don't like you and there's a, there is an incipient war, I think it's something you need to know. Sure. Know that early before it gets to a point where you know, it's unreconcilable. So. Okay. We, there's, there's a lot of dig, deep digging we could have done on that one, and we'll do that in future episodes. Sure. Thanks for joining us at Peer Spectrum. Please support the show by writing a review on iTunes and join the conversation at PeerSpectrum.com. Keep up with the latest episodes and share your ideas with us on Facebook or email at peerspectrum.com.